Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Orda Energy Mon, and I am going to talk to you about a lot of things that are happening in the world. But let's start with an event that's going to be local here. Looking to the future, growing new energy jobs downstate. Next Tuesday and Wednesday at John A. Logan College and Southeastern Illinois College. Let's bring these new energy jobs to Southern Illinois. The purpose of the coming July forums is learn how to take advantage of the opportunities of the Future Energy Jobs Act, which actually became a bill June 1st. To prepare for the way for local job creating projects. This second round's response to feedback received from attendance during meetings held this past June. Because of many of the new laws, incentives and programs will provide access to solar energy, job training and jobs in low income communities, there'll be a workshop specifically dedicated to the Illinois Solar for All program. There will be five workshops offered over two days in two locations. Now the same five workshops will be offered at both John A. Logan and Southeastern College. Attendees will be able to choose from one to from two of the five since several will be offered concurrently. If you want to take advantage of more than two, please don't hesitate to register for both days. Remember, these forms are free. One to five PM is it let's see 1 to 4 30 p.m. Tuesday at John A. Logan and 9 a.m. to 12 30 p.m. Wednesday at Southeastern Illinois College and some of the workshops are an overview of what the Future Energy Jobs Act is what's important to know going into these workshops what is community solar and what are its benefits I got into solar energy because I wanted to educate and install low-income people and help people who really needed solar, right? Well, did you know that Erica Mackey, who is an SIU graduate, started a company called Grid Alternatives, and she teaches people how to install solar, and guess what she does? She installs solar on low-income people including Habitat for Humanity houses. So that will be one of the workshops. What is Solar for All program and why is it important from Erica? And the other one is what is Community Solar? Community Solar is a very exciting opportunity because you basically get to buy a share in a field of solar. What is a share? Well, a share is one solar panel and you can literally buy it for someone for Christmas or their birthday, or let's say you don't have enough roof space to you know, knock out your whole electric usage, so you could buy a share in a community solar project. What other other workshops? 
I have a project in mind. What do I need to know to build it? How do I get into the solar field and what qualifications do I need to have? So not only can you find out about getting a solar project, you can find out about working in the solar field. And so this is an excellent opportunity to learn about the Future Energy Jobs Bill, which has become an act. And it will shoot Illinois from mediocre solar to one of the top 10 solar states very, very quickly because we now have a renewable energy goal of 25% by year 25. And that means going from the current about 80 megawatts of solar installed to, well, by the year 2020, what is that? A couple years, we'd have to install 1,350 new megawatts to meet that goal. So that's a lot. All right, that's the good news. Now let's hit up on some bad news. Every coal waste dump site is a disaster waiting to happen. This story was originally published by Mother Jones and is reproduced here as a part of the Climate Desk Collaboration. Now, the United States still relies on coal to provide 30% of its electricity, which amazingly enough is down from 50% only a few years ago. And the typical plant produces more than 125,000 tons of coal ash. That's the byproduct of burning coal every year. For decades, power companies just dumped this product, which can contain toxic materials such as arsenic and mercury, into unlined ponds that had the potential to leak. Um, unlined ponds is another way of saying a pit in the ground full of water and um, goop, right? Despite an EPA rule that requires power companies to dispose of the waste responsibly and monitor water quality near the dumping site, coal ash continues to be a serious environmental concern. The rule regulating coal ash is weak and gives utilities the option to dump coal ash in landfills and old mines, often turning them into toxic waste sites. Many are located in and around marginalized communities without the power to fight back. Now. With an administration that's hostile to environmental regulations in power, the coal ash problem is likely to get worse. These are all disasters waiting to happen. Now, if you would like to read the 2016 Environmental Justice Report from the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, please send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org and we can get you the link and this complete article. Quote, it's easier to build a new landfill in communities of color or poor communities. Now, the residents of Jessup, Georgia, a rural, cast-strapped town more than 200 miles from Atlanta, experienced this problem. A waste hauling company had applied for a permit to dump coal ash in their landfill in 2016. In June, HuffPost reported that a Phoenix-based company, Republic Services, planned to expand a rail line that leads to the community's landfill in order to haul 10,000 tons of coal ash through the community and into the dump, and they intended to do this every day. 
Now, the Jessup residents pushed back, and guess what? They won. The local paper published dozens of articles about the dangers of coal ash, and organizers recruited environmentalists and local lawmakers to help amplify their cause. While Republic Services backed off on their plans, there's actually nothing legally stopping them from trying to get it again. A lot of comp- uh, people said, congratulations, y'all won. But we don't have anything in writing, Peggy Riggins told the Huffington Post. In some communities, there have been some very legitimate concerns and outright opposition. So what are environmentally acceptable options for disposable sites? In other news... I thought I'd play a little water to cool us down. What do you think of that? If you pick up today's issue of the Southern newspaper, there's an article on the front page about organic gardening. Did you know that the third local farm has been certified organic by the U.S. Department of Agriculture? Cobden Farm is the latest to gain USDA organic certification. This is a good article about Colinda... La Colina Linda Farm, located in Cobden. And there's a little bit about the New Leaf Food Hub, which is a CSA that you uh, restaurants can and people can place an order for the veggies they want. Also inside, in the bad news section, Exxon fined $2 million for Tillerson-era breach of Russian sanctions. That's right. ExxonMobil Corp. must pay a $2 million fine for showing, quote, reckless regard for U.S. sanctions on Russia while Secretary of State Rex Tillerson was the oil giant CEO the Department of Treasury said Thursday. Now, Exxon has sued the U.S. government to stop the fine, and they'll probably succeed because I think people let me know, has Exxon ever paid for... Exxon Valdez oil spill in 1989. In other news, stuff that matters. Florida, man. A Florida town requires solar on all new homes. South Miami became the first U.S. city outside of California to require solar panels on new residential constructions and on some home renovations. The city passed the law after a high school student, Delania Reynolds, inspired by the laws in California, wrote to mayors in the area, quote, We made history Tuesday night, South Miami Mayor Philip Stolton said, It's not going to save the world by itself, but it's going to get people thinking about solar. End quote. The 2.3 miles square mile city receives an average of 5 to 10 building permits per year. Meanwhile, Miami's mayor asked for $192 million in his proposed budget to help keep Florida above the ever-rising water. 
Here it comes. <laughs> Wake up recall. Three million Mercedes got recalled over emission concerns. That's nearly every Mercedes-Benz diesel bought in the UK since 2011 needs its engine adjusted to reduce pollutants according to the recall. The German automaker Daimler, Mercedes' parent company, will shell out 220 million euros, that's $252 million US, for the recall after reports surfaced that it may have evaded vehicle pollution rules by selling more than a million cars with excessive emissions in Europe and the United States. Now, Daimler is not the first car maker to face pressure for exploiting loopholes in emission regulations. Do you remember in 2015, investigators found that Volkswagen had installed software to make its diesel cars appear to emit less pollution in testing conditions, when in fact some of its vehicles emitted fumes 40 times more toxic than allowed? Now, Volkswagen learned a $22 billion lesson, so no surprise that Daimler is looking to avoid the same fate. Facebook wall. No talking climate change to Zuckerberg, White House tells scientists. Wait a second. Listen to this story. As part of his not-running-for-president cross-country tour, Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg took a trip to Montana's rapidly melting Glacier National Park last weekend. But a few days before his visit, according to a report in Mike, the Interior Department canceled his plans to chat climate change with Daniel Fragre, a research ecologist and climate specialist at the United States Geological Survey. Quote, I was literally was told I would no longer be participating, Daniel told the Washington Post, adding that he received little explanation for the cancellation. The move promoted speculation that the Interior Department wanted to avoid drawing attention to climate change. If that was the concern, as Zuckerberg wasn't playing along, quote, the impact of climate change is very clear at Glacier, he wrote on his Facebook page, along with photos from his visit. In the last hundred years, the average global temperature has risen 1.5 degrees, but in the high evolution elevations of Montana where glacier is the temperature is warming three times the average global average enough to mate melt glaciers glacier is not the only national park facing an identification crisis over climate change it's interesting to me that glacier national park pretty much has no glaciers because of climate change Trump's plot to shrink the EPA isn't going as planned. President Trump is having a tough time getting what he wants this week. First, the Senate dropped the health care bill, and then on Tuesday, a House committee approved an appropriations bill that doesn't, do nearly, doesn't go nearly as far as he saw in slashing the Environmental Protection Agency. In Trump's 2018 budget proposal, released in May, the EPA took the biggest hit of any federal agency. 
His proposed 31% budget cut was so extreme that EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt encountered resistance from fellow Republicans when he defended eliminating more than 50 programs, including Great Lakes Restoration, reducing diesel emissions, and grants for tribes. As Representative Mark uh, Doley, a Nevada Republican, observed, quote, you may be the first person to get more than you ask for because nobody is standing on the rooftops begging for dirty water and dirty air and dirty soil. On Tuesday, in a 30 to 21 vote, the committee advanced an appropriations bill that cuts funding to the Department of the Interior by 7% and the EPA by 6.5%. The bill moving through Congress does retain some popular programs, like the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative that Trump wanted gone, but of course there are still plenty of blows to environmental protection. The, pa- the House p- passed another measure on Tuesday delaying the ozone standard and requiring the EPA to update standards every 10 years as opposed to the current five. Even though it looks like the worst case scenario for the EPA won't come to pass, this is only the most recent blow to an agency that's already stretched thinner than ever. The Environmental Integrity Project notes that the EPA's budget has been falling for years, and it's 22% less than under George W. Bush's first term, adjusting for inflation. And Pruitt still plans mass buyouts and major downsizing. Now, there is one area where Pruitt hopes to staff up, and that's on his personal security detail. He's already about doubled what his predecessor spent on security in his first three months. I wonder why. In case you didn't notice... The first half of 2017 was the second hottest to date. At the halfway point of the year, 2017 remains the second hottest year to date, a surprise given the demise of the El Nino that helped boost temperature to record levels last year. The continued near-record warmth is a marker of just how much global temperatures have risen thanks to greenhouse gases accumulating in the atmosphere from fossil fuel use. If you would like to receive the complete article, including graphs, please email us, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And now in a little lighter note, it is known. Game of Thrones took its climate change metaphor even further this week. We have long maintained that the hit HBO series takes inspiration from a slowly unfolding real-world catastrophe. Winter is coming, warn our heroes, while everyone else is too busy fighting to sit on a chair to notice that ice zombies are marching to end humanity. Forget dragons. Deniers are the real threat here. Last show, the series introduced a new character, an Archmaster, played by Jim Broadbent. Too smart and informed to be an outright skeptic, The Archmaster instead takes a position akin to a smug, lukewarmer, a breed of climate contrarian who accepts that increased CO2 emissions are warming the planet, but doesn't think humanity should do much about it. 
Quote, every winter that has ever came has ended, Broadbent tells Sam, the series' closest thing to a climate scientist. The Archmaster ticks off a series of feared apocalypses that have failed to end the world. Little Ice Age, anybody? Assuring Sam the same will be the case this time. But Sam, who has seen the White Walkers himself, refuses to accept inaction and opts for more study, searching for solutions he can then convey to a true leader who will take action. In our real world, who will accept that raven? Let's talk about some happenings in the area. Besides the fact that it's really hot. But did you know if you went out into nature, it's actually cooler in nature than it is in the city? Well, this Saturday, the Shawnee chapter of the Illinois Audubon Society is doing something special. Hummingbirds. Everything you need to know. Information programs on gardening, feeding and attracting hummingbirds, face painting, Hummingbird merchandise. This will be at the Warbluff Valley Wildlife Sanctuary in Golconda. This is your chance to see these fascinating little birds up close and learn more about their amazing life. There is a light potluck luncheon to be held at 12:30. If you would like more information, shawneeaudubon.wordpress.com. This is Saturday from 9 a.m. till noon followed by a light potluck lunch and then the Shawnee chapter annual meeting and elections. The program Hummingbirds, from flowers to feeders to beyond, will follow. Exciting. If you want more information, you can call 618-534-7870. In other happenings on Monday, Illinois Wildflowers for Home Gardens. On Monday at 7 p.m. at 216 East Monroe Street. Which native wildflowers will add beauty and attract pollinators to your garden? Presenter Chris Bendia is intimately familiar with our native fauna. He is a botanist and past president of the Illinois Native Plant Society. He was a regional ecologist for the Illinois Natural Areas Inventory Update in southern Illinois from 2008 to 2012. Chris teaches the fauna of Southern Illinois at Southern Illinois University in the summer and a variety of classes at the Morton Arboretum. He's an accomplished photographer and author of several publications about natural areas in Illinois. He can be reached by email at botanizer at gmail.com. This program is free and open to the public, sponsored by the Tupelo Chapter of Wild Ones Native Landscapers. Illinois Wildflowers for Home Gardens, Monday, July 24th at 7 p.m., 216 East Monroe Street. Now, this it, I always miss this because I don't mark my calendar far enough in advance, so I thought I would let you know. The Labyrinth Peace Park Labyrinth Walk. The public is invited to the monthly labyrinth walks to be held the first Sunday of each month from 8.30 to 9 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. The Buckminster Fuller Dome-Covered Labyrinth and Park is always open for meditation and recreation. 
See the website at labyrinthpeacepark.org or contact Bob Swenson at 967-3016. And if you would like to be involved in the Labyrinth Peace Park Restoration Group, their next meeting is Saturday, August 12th at 1.30 p.m. at Guy House, so mark your calendar. Have you heard of the Champion Tree Contest? The next big thing, now through July 28th. The search is on for Carbondale's largest trees. That's right, Keep Carbondale Beautiful is looking for the largest example of 10 different native species of trees. The Illinois Big Tree Register recognizes state champion trees of all species. Now the contest will be limited to 10 species and to the Carbondale area. Ten trees will be recognized as champions at the fourth Friday Fair on July 28th. And the champion trees are scored based on the sum of three numbers, measuring circumference, height, and spread. And certificates will be awarded to the nominator and the property owner if they're different. If you would like to get involved, contact keepcb.org. Or you can call Chris Evans at 618-364-7261. Again, looking for 10 different native species, the biggest and the most beautiful. The purpose is to promote awareness of native tree species and the big tree register and appreciation for the beauty and value of trees. Do you think you have the biggest tree in your backyard? Well, enter it. Every Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Newman Center, there's continuing the conversation. Each week, a group of Southern Illinois residents meets on Tuesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. for continuing the conversation in the Newman Center at 715 South Washington Street in Carbondale. The purpose over the past year as the race unity group has evolved from discussion to action to bring together an interracial community we must first listen respectfully to each other's stories with weekly meetings we see strangers become like-minded comrades in arms and we've built a community that has strengthened our understanding and compassion for each other continuing the conversation every tuesday at 7 p.m. at the newman center a couple other regular events. The Brown Bag Concert Series every Wednesday at noon at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. Go to CarbondaleMainStreet.com for a full schedule of bands or just show up. There's only a few more weeks. Be Main Carbondale Main Street hires a different local band each week. So a couple more weeks till the end of July and that will be over. Another regular happening that has caught on and will continue to happen is the City of Carbondale is teaming up with the Carbondale Park District to host a series of fitness classes every Saturday during the Carbondale Farmer's Market called Fresh Fitness. Classes will be held from 10 to 11 a.m. at Lennis Turley Park. Experience is not required. Please wear comfortable clothing and bring a water bottle, towel, and or yoga mat. 
There is a cash donation suggested, but if you have any questions or would like more information, please contact Carbondale Public Relations Officer Amy Fox at 559-1939.